Father, Lord, in the name of your son, Christ Yeshua, we come before you, my God, submitted, broken, and humbled in contrition, seeking your face. Search our hearts, O God, and see if there be any iniquity within us. Reveal it to us, my God, that we may repent. Expose to us our flaws and our false consciousnesses that cause us, my God, to see things in an erroneous way. Give us guidance and purification of heart, mind, and soul. Help us to see the glory. Father, confer upon us a kingdom, a kingdom that you reign over, a kingdom in which your spirit has complete dominance. May our faithfulness become the faithfulness of your entire house, my God. May we be faithful in every area, faithful in every space, faithful in every commitment, and faithful in every thought or emotion. Father, by this, we exalt you to the highest place. By this, we exalt your son to the highest place. By this, we exalt your spirit to the highest place. That in all truth, you may restore the truth of your kingdom. Father, we denounce false kingdoms. We denounce the kingdom of Satan. We denounce the kingdoms of this world, which fall under the kingdom of Satan. And we seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And we ask that you add all other things unto us. Father, forgive us wherever we have fallen short of this glory and help us, my God, to mature so that we might come into complete contact with it. Father, may the love of Christ completely consume us. May we love the souls, enemy, foe, friend alike. We love them as much as Christ loved them. May we have the heart of Christ as we deal with them. May we not retreat, my God, to a place of complacency, but may we always stay up front as ambassadors of Christ Jesus, pursuing your righteousness and your peace. We thank you, Father, and we exalt you. We thank you, Father, and we honor you. We thank you, Father, and we love you. You are our dad. You are the one that gives us direction day in and day out. We pray against spirits of rebellion, deception. We pray against every perversion. We pray against every lie from the enemy. My God, may we break the spirits of rebellion and walk in perfect peace with you. We honor you, Father, and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Welcome, Prophet Jason. I want to just say that something that's been brewing in my spirit during this wilderness season, and it's a word, and this word has such a profound meaning. This word is so powerful. It is possibly one of the most unutilized words in this day and age of everyone wanting to be, everybody wanting to feel good. This word sometimes gets lost. And the word is kingdom. The Bible itself says, seek ye first the kingdom and the righteousness of the kingdom and all other things will be added unto you. This is a sacrificial move in the supernatural realm. This is a sacrificial move. This is not a move that you can see immediate benefits from. It's not a move that you're going to always feel all gooey inside about it's not a move that you make that all of a sudden manifests all these material results 
but it's the number one move which empowers you in the eyes of God. It says, seek ye first the kingdom, and then you have a conviction about the kingdom, and then the kingdom becomes the highest priority, and then it's a sacrificial move because you sacrifice things of your natural self so that you can exalt the kingdom. The kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. You know, in the end, it says prophecy will cease and tongues will cease. It says evangelism will be no longer required, so it too will cease. The only thing that will be left is faith, hope, and love. And all of those things will be residing in the kingdom. And so as we die to ourselves, then we must be reborn seeking first the kingdom. And when Christ led the nation of Israel. And just for theological and prophetic accuracy, we're not going to say it was Christ. We know it was Christ, but we're not going to say it was Christ because in the prophetic, the idea there was that it was the father and the father was going to give birth to a son through a bride. And that son would then be the Christ. So Christ can't give birth to himself. So to keep the prophetic alignment, we would say that the father, Yahweh, led the nation of Israel into the wilderness in order to confer upon them a kingdom. And in order to confer upon them this kingdom, the king's dominion, they had to come to know the ways of the king. And so God led them into wilderness to woo their hearts to him. And he gave them a covenant of circumcision, which he gave, of course, originally to Abraham. And he gave them the covenant of Moses, which was ultimately the Mosaic law. And inside this law, they would then come to understand how to put first the kingdom. So now when you start talking about this kingdom, and this is going to be an edifying move, Santo, hallelujah, this is going to be powerful. And I don't know if everybody's ready to digest this. This is a deep point. And I, and I want to pray that you get some people, they get too aggressive and they become loveless or heartless. We don't want you to become loveless or heartless. That's not the goal. The goal is to understand the true nature of the kingdom and the love of the kingdom and how to seek ye first the kingdom. So seeking first the kingdom for the nation of Israel in the wilderness, God had to first break them of their worries and their commitments and their predictions and all whatever the issues that they had in Egypt. And so he led them into the wilderness and he took them into isolation. And so into a form of speaking, you're entering into a spiritual isolation. And inside this spiritual isolation, what God is exalting is the value of the kingdom. You see, for the sake of the kingdom, you honor the movements of men in authority because the Bible tells you to. You may not like the president of the United States, but you're called to honor him for the sake of the kingdom. You as a husband, may not always get along with your wife, but you're called to walk in the character of Christ, not for your wife, not so that you have a great marriage, not so that everything goes the way you want it to go and you can feel good inside, but for the glory of the kingdom. If you're a woman and you have a husband, you, might, you, don't, you don't obey your husband and walk in alignment with the orders dictated by God for the kingdom because it's going to always feel good or it's going to make this ooey gooey witch rich and chewy inside feeling you do it for the glory of the kingdom that the kingdom of god may not be spoken negatively about 
Hallelujah. When you go on a job and you obey your supervisor, you don't obey your supervisor because of the raise or the promotion or the opportunity to expand your career. You do it because it's in the word of God and it brings glory to Santo. Hallelujah. The kingdom. Santo. So you're supposed to die. We are supposed to die. And then we are born again. And then our consumption of our mortal beings, the consumption of our mortal beings is in focus and completely devoted to the kingdom. So the supervisor is obeyed for the glory of Christ for the kingdom. Peers in your job who you may not otherwise get along with are loved with compassion and treated with grace for the glory of the kingdom. A lot of you have heard me tell this story about Ozzie and Harriet, how they were questioned and as, as uh, African-Americans in the entertainment industry as to how they were able to navigate through the industry without getting caught up in a million different types of scandals, which uh, seems like almost every other uh, person in the entertainment industry seemed to get involved in. And he said, how are you guys able to do it and, and survive so many years? He says, well, we always felt we were involved in something greater than ourselves. What they were saying was we represent a community that otherwise would go unrepresented on a national scale in entertainment industry and mainstream entertainment. And so we felt our obligation to uphold the image and character of righteousness from their perspective, of course, was more important than us. They actually saw value in exalting the people over their own personals in their interpersonal relationship. What an interesting concept they have, because that's exactly what Christ is expecting from us in the kingdom. See, because in the kingdom, as ambassadors, we no longer represent ourselves, but we represent Jesus Christ. And so when God led the nation of Israel out into the wilderness, he led them out to the wilderness in order to prepare them and to confer upon them a kingdom. But because they were more focused on the land of milk and honey and they were more focused on the paradise of life in the promised land, which was so rich a land and so full of all kinds of good things, and since they were so focused on those things, they were never able to take on the responsibility of being the emissaries of God and ultimately fell from the place of being priests of the nations. God eventually got upset with their unwillingness to become kingdom focused. They were unwilling to seek first Santo Abashantarabasi and to seek first and to put first the kingdom over and above their personal wishes, over and above their personal desires, over and above their personal interests. Because they were so full of compassion about the kingdom, nothing else mattered enough to cause them to walk in disobedience to the ordinances of the kingdom. And so when I say that that word is one of the most least used words in the Christian realm today, it's because 
if it were more emphasized, like we're talking about it now, then it would make sense why you should love your enemies because you are not important. And actually your enemies are more important than you because you're part of the 99, your enemy is part of the one. Unless of course you're admitting that you're the one that's in the flesh and your enemy is the one in the spirit, then if you're admitting that you need to repent. But in reality, the only way you could possibly have a real enemy, right, would be if, in fact, this person opposed you. And if you were walking in righteousness, then that would mean they were walking in unrighteousness. So that means your enemy now becomes more important than you because you're part of the 99 and they're part of the one. And so for the glory of the kingdom, you love them. For the glory of the kingdom, you feed them, you clothe them, you take care of them, you treat them, even though they mistreat you, you treat them with higher dignity and honor because they're a less presentable part, potentially, of an aspect or a part of the kingdom. Wow. See, for the sake of the kingdom, you walk in alignment with the word of God. For the sake of the kingdom, you put away your personal anger. For the sake of the kingdom, you walk in alignment with the ordinances of the word of God because for the glory of the kingdom, which is more important than my personal glory, I must represent my God. And that is more important than anything else, period. Wow. Now, what do you get for seeking first the kingdom? So the nation of Israel, he, he needed to detox them from the leeks and melons of the slavery of Egypt. I'm talking in a prophetic idiom, right? And he needed to detox them from the slave mentality. You saw that slave mentality when Moses was up on the mountain. I mean, it would have been one thing for them to say, we don't know where this Moses guy has gone. Thank God we're free of Egypt. Moses is up on a mountain. We don't know what he's doing. We're going to move out. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to thank God for our freedom. We're going to find some new territory to live in. That's not what they said. God wouldn't have been happy with that either, but I'm just trying to reveal their slave mentality. Listen to their slave mentality. We don't know where Moses went. We don't know how to build a kingdom. We don't know how to be a kingdom. Let us go back and be slaves to Pharaoh's kingdom. Mm. So one of the things God led them in the desert to do was to break their slave mentality where they no longer wanted the slave mentality was the mentality that did not allow them to be kingdom heirs. So it became burdensome to eat manna. It became burdensome to be in the desert. It became burdensome to fight these wars. It became burdensome to travel, to go and do the things that God, because they no longer, they, they not no longer, they, it's not they did no longer understood it. They never understood what it would take to confer upon them a kingdom. And they had a slave mind that made them want to submit to slavery instead of being released into the freedom of God so that God could confer upon them a kingdom. 
And so God is leading you into the wilderness to break your slave mind. You may be a slave to anger. He says anything that has dominated you, you become a slave to. And anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So when we give, give, give in to our anger, then we are fundamentally saying, let us go back and eat the leeks and melons from Egypt. And when we don't operate in our state of ambassadorship for Christ, we're actually operating with a slave mind. See, because we were slaves in Egypt from birth, but we were free, but we were released, but we were born again, but we died, but we rose on the third day. I'm talking again in the prophetic idiom with Christ Jesus. And we are now heirs to a kingdom conferred into a kingdom. So during this wilderness period, we just start asking ourselves, have I died and do I now live to the glory of the kingdom? For, for everyone that lives to the glory of the kingdom in this age, God is preparing to confer upon them a kingdom. Will we be like the ones who fell in the desert in Egypt, excuse me, in the wilderness, because we were unwilling to allow God to confer upon us a kingdom? Or will we be like Caleb or Joshua who stood vehemently in defiance to everything, vehemently in defiance to everything that would rob them of the kingdom? You know, we live in a prosperity mindset in Western Christianity and this prosperity mindset is, I want a house, I want a car, I want a two-car two-car garage I want. Uh, well, nobody really wants that. That's a baby boomer generation. So I give away my age. The, the new generation isn't necessarily interested in all those things, but you understand what I'm saying. You want a good career. You want a good life. You want to be in a good position and have the latest technology. You want to be wowed and wooed by all the great things of man and science. And you want to be, uh, you know, some sort of, you want to be at peace with yourself. And so leading you into a desert and making you eat manna from the sky might not be something that's attractive to you. But that might be what's necessary to detox you from your slave mind so that God could confer upon you a kingdom. We don't understand necessarily prosperity in the right concepts. We don't understand prosperity in the right spirit because if we understood prosperity in the right concepts and the right spirit, then we would seek first the kingdom and the kingdom would be our primary and ultimate focus in every single area of our life. Marriage, family, children, parenting, employment, social life, political life, community, city, ambassadors of a kingdom. Let's take a vision right now, close our eyes and take a vision of Jesus Christ coming with his angels to bring the kingdom. And now accounts are being settled. How much do you have in your kingdom account? How much dying to yourself, the vision of Christ coming to confer to you a kingdom? What kingdom would he be conferring upon you? How faithful have you been in seeking first the kingdom? And of course, to seek first the kingdom, you must then obey its righteousness. Are you more concerned with being satisfied in the personal 
Are you more concerned with being satisfied in the human element? Are you a true ambassador, a true representative, a true heir of a kingdom? That's what the wilderness is all about, to confer upon you a kingdom, to detox you and to release you from the slave minds of Egypt so that you can enter into the promised land, a people of your own, a kingdom of God. Father Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your special name among men. We thank you for the glory and the majesty and grace that you bring upon us. Father, we love you, but only because you first loved us. And may we die to everything in this world so that we can be true kingdom heirs. And we look forward to, whether it's while we're alive or if you have to resurrect us, we look forward to the day that you bring the fullness of your kingdom and the reward that we received and we will receive from our suffrage in your kingdom fighting for your kingdom in this world. We thank you, my God, and we look forward to that day. And until that day, we press on and we press in and we press through to your glory and to your majesty. May you reign on and on forever and ever. Amen. We give glory to you, Father. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Blessing, saints. Have a great morning. And Stay blessed.